All right, this is our last week on social justice. So I want to be a, uh, somewhat of a summary, but I want to just bring it close to home. We have hit at times kind of where we would fall on this at Spring Meadows. Um, but I, I want to do that in somewhat of a full force. I had originally thought that maybe we'd be in the new building and God was providentially going to use this series to transfer, but I actually think it's good for a couple reasons that we're not there yet. Number one, the elders are going to lead us through a, a discussion on overall church strategy, what this new building would mean, and not just the building, but it's just a good time. You know, it's a good strategic time to kind of re-energize certain things that we've talked about in the past and just who are we as Spring Meadows. And social justice is just a little piece of that, if, if it's any piece. There's a much more to that. So that's good that it's not like just branded as a social justice study. Also, that's something the elders should certainly lead. Um, and so providentially, um, I know some, uh, some sermon series and some uh, Sunday school series are, are in development for that. And so be in great prayer for that. The last thing I would want is for us to get into a building and think we've arrived somewhere, right? That we've been on this journey and we take the foot off the gas. This is the time to get ready to go. It's been our excuse, right? We're in this building, we're going to go, so this is our chance to do it. So that, that's going to take a lot of prayer, a lot of discernment, um, prayer for the session to guide that and, and, and to have the energy and, and all of us to be, be supportive. And so social justice, whatever is mean, meant by that, is just a tiny piece. I also think that maybe coming closer to home might feel very personal. There might be a, a risk of offense at some of the things I'll say today. That's fine. It's a discussion. I just want to tee it up. I don't have any hidden agenda, I promise. And so, um, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that it would always be our guide. We pray that we would always have a gospel motivation in whatever we do as individuals and as a church, and that we would strive with the strength that you provide so that Jesus would receive the glory and the dominion in all things. We pray for a spirit of unity, even as... Um, I hope that we're challenged uh, on this subject and others, and we pray that uh, you would be with us in, the, in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so this has been the uh, approach to the class. We want to be biblically faithful, pastorally sensitive, culturally conversant. If you go back to week seven online, I really kind of dove into that and really expanded what I meant by a lot of that. Some of the summary there was that we need biblical definitions of justice, right? The, I mean, the Democratic debate again this week, someone said we need marijuana justice. I have no idea what he was even saying. But it's again, the, the word justice is just thrown on everything. And people use terms in a different way. So, you know, there's a conversation to be had. Just We always want to run back to the Bible. That doesn't mean we will be completely unified on our understanding of what the Bible demands at an individual or a of a church level or a, or a societal level, but that's where we want, we want to be able to draw our convictions from the Bible as faithfully as we can. Also, just an understanding that God is sovereign, and Jesus is a perfect Savior. That is very much missing on the far left um, of any objective standard, of moral clarity, of a God who cares for us and is intervening within the affairs of men. And then that our ultimate identity is in Christ. There are, you know, disagreements on what our different identities in this world should be, but all those, as a Christian, should be completely consumed 
Uh, and people ought to know us as, first of all, a believer in Christ. Uh, we want to be pastorally sensitive, so we do want to listen. This takes time. We want to be sensitive to others. And as any good counselor would say, a counselor doesn't hear a problem and all of a sudden just try to fix it. They're always asking questions. In fact, they never get to an answer. It's annoying. But they always say, why? Why do you feel that way? How did you get there? What do you mean by this? Why would that be your decision? Um, and that's very much true that we should all be in our discipling and even in evangelism, just getting to the heart of the matter, not to the issue per se. One of the practical ways I think you can do that is don't get in an argument about statistics so much as, well, if, it, if this were true, if this statistic were true, what would you think? So we're not really fighting about reality. We're just fighting. We're, we're getting to the heart, not fighting. And then we've been trying to be culturally conversant, talked about critical theory, intersectionality, wokeness, all sorts of things. Um, then we've had, these have been the goals. We want to love for neighbor. Um, we want to apply our faith to the culture. We've been asking the question, and that one, of the, one of the differences on the two sides is really, where is this a, just an individual issue? That's what the right would say. They would be more individualistic. Oh, and that's why it's called a conversionist. The skeptical view is more conversionist. I'm going to worry about the conversion of individuals, not, not just coming to salvation, but I want to make you individually a transformative power in culture. Or is this more of a church responsibility, that we as, as a church do something that's visible and palpable? And that's, that's a debate within evangelicals, even within the PCA. And today, what I really want to highlight is this last one. This is... Um, hit a little, a little more forcefully than we have. And again, in many ways, this is teeing up a discussion in another month or so. Um, just a quick review of the two sides. Um, this is the American spelling. I think your sheet has the British spelling. Neither of them is spelled. Um, where does the responsibility lie? Pretty much everyone agrees with this side. The question is, is how far left do you go? If they're not binary, they're very much a a priority of time, resources, energy, focus, is really where the discussion lies. And so, this, you know, one side would emphasize personal responsibility, where the other side would, would say, but there's also a social responsibility. One would be, we had a whole class, and, and Kevin DeYoung wrote a whole book on what is the mission of the church. Is social justice part of the mission of the church? And it depends on what you mean by gospel, what you mean by mission, what you mean by social justice, Right? And so this is a matter, and, and some Christians would see much more of a narrow focus. We want to focus on, you know, the bread and butter of, of what we do, evangelism, discipleship. And I put discipline on there. I'll talk about that in a second. And others would say, no, we, that, that's all true, but we, the mission of the church would be expanded and so that we would see more of a more organized effort. Uh, Galatians 6.10 is just a good verse. Good do to all men, especially to those of the household of faith. So where do you put that emphasis? And then everyone agrees within evangelicals about spiritual needs. The, the, the question is, is how much do we care about physical needs? And then what's the interplay there? You know, if you talk about the mission of the church, do you demand a hearing of the gospel if you're going to get physical needs? Or do you get physical needs hoping they ask about what motivates you? Those, those discussions happen in Krishna. So that's the kind of things. And obviously, I haven't put it on the board here, but on your paper, there are things that we would want to avoid on, on each extreme. So the first two questions I ask is just as far as having a gospel-focused summary here is, 
Have you been personally challenged in this series? If we have missed this, it's been a colossal waste of time. Worse than that, if we've talked about these issues and you've been able to avoid this because you want to get to your hobby horse, that's even worse than a waste of time. Now, maybe I take some of the blame if that's true for you, how I presented it. But that would be something I really challenge you to think about. Um, and it kind of goes into the second question is, when, when you're presented with an issue, are you just, is it immediately you run to your political corner and you're going to get your issue, you're going to get your ducks in the row so you can have an argument on the issue? Or is your heart broken, right? And I'm not even saying you can't have both at the same time, but if, if, we're, if we're missing the heart, it really comes back to your own passion of yourself, um, that would be a real tragedy. And I think we're all guilty of that at times, if we're honest. If the radio is talking about some issue, the first thing we want to do is yell back at the radio. Um, that's a shame. And that's something we, we should repent of. E- even if you are as far right over here as, as you can, I'll put maybe John MacArthur as the far right. I think you can go <laughs> and be an evangelical. <laughs> a very faithful church, I would say. Um, I think you can do that biblically and faithfully. I think you can make that case. I understand his position. Um, but even he would, hopefully, would be very much about your individual, you needing to be broken in, in your individual life, in your no-kidding neighborhood, in your workplace, in your family, looking for opportunities to care for others and do good to others. Um, are you more energized by getting the right policy or seeing gospel opportunities? Uh, another way of asking that, are, are you more concerned about the survival of America or the witness of the church? What really motivates you? That's a, that's a real challenge to ask yourself. Um, what would your friends and coworkers say? Do they know you more as a Republican or a Christian? Even on, a, on an issue like abortion, are you known more as some anti-abortion activist or a follower of Jesus? Right? Even, even a good topic can have the wrong priority. And I'm not saying you can't be... In practicality, say you're in political activism in your individual life, completely great. I hope we have more Christians in it. There will be some people who only know you in that sphere. I get it. But those who truly know you, do they know your heart? And I'm speaking condemnation myself here as well. Um, For instance, and I know of a situation in Carter where this applies, but it would apply here as well. Say you're someone who really have really thought about the issue of immigration, you're really concerned about an open and a porous border, what it might mean for security, what it might mean for a changing culture in America, and all that's fine. Can't you at the same time be thrilled that you have a refugee population that you get to preach to? That you have the opportunity to reach because they want to learn English. Now you can use English as a second language training. You can use the Bible in that So what I'm saying is you could have a policy concern, which is completely accurate, and yet, does that mean you, to some I guess it would seem hypocritical, at the same time be excited that we have these new people to witness to? I mean, heck, a lot of the people come in are socially conservative. and That that should be an exciting thing from a cultural standpoint. And that's just one issue. I'm just challenging you to, to not be so binary and to be... To be Christ-centered, to be gospel-centered, might look quite different um, than even what your political party is, whatever it is. And then just, 
took a couple issues to show this as an example, but make sure you have your positions that are held biblically. There, there, are, there are things that you will decide what policy or politician you support that have nothing much to do with specific Bible. Fine, those are, put those in a neutral camp. And then whichever way you decide to go, just have a biblical reason for it. Um, and we can disagree on the outcomes, and that's fine. And particularly as you're talking to others about those issues. Again, hopefully you're known as a, as a lover of Jesus, above all. So when we come to Spring Meadows, um, we've talked about this general idea. What, where does the church in general or an individual fall? We've asked the question, Luke 10, the Good Samaritan, who is my neighbor? Is that appropriate question for a church? Or is that just for individuals? And I think you'll have Christians to answer that different ways. If it is appropriate for a church, then you go into those, those, different, um, those different concerns we talk about, proximity. Like who's around you, right? Who's in your sphere? Would be, you'd be, you would have higher responsibility for comprehensive care. It's not just preaching the gospel. It's caring for medical needs like the Good Samaritan did. And always wanting to be motivated by, by the gospel. And again, I, I'm not trying to arrive at answers in this class. I really just want to start a discussion, you might say, or really give you fodder for prayer more than anything. As, as we go forward, what do you wish our church was like? Um, and have that discussion with people. And then I also want to be careful. It's, it's not like we're coming to some congregational vote on this. We are very much distinctly an elder rule church. It's one of the reasons I'm a member here. Very much believe in that. Um, and as, as, as I said, this is very much a spectrum. It takes a lot of real wisdom. Okay, at this time in our life of, of your, you as an individual, but us as a church, what would make sense? Where, where are we convictionally that we wouldn't want to go outside of? But then practically, okay, maybe I'd love to be over here, but where we are with our gifts, our resources, what things deserve attention, we need to be here for now. I don't know. And that, we don't have to have some endless debate on where we should be. We have a session for that. And thank God we do. Um, but obviously, the session is open to inputs and discussion, but this is a real chance for prayer on these issues. Uh, and, and then wherever the session is on this issue or a host of issues of how, what our ministry will look like going forward, there's just a real call for faithful submission to that. And not just in some words like, well, I would have done it this way. If I was on session, I'd do it this way. Um, oh, they're going to do that ministry. Well, that's not the one I would have chosen. I'm not going to go complain out loud. But no, this is a, a real faithful submission as we jump into that labor. Wherever our church is going... Remember this church, we jump in with it. Or you're really going to exhaust your leadership really fast if, if they don't see you with them. Um, that doesn't mean you necessarily agree with everything, but it's, we, we, wherever we, I, mean, I have my own personal opinion where I'd like to be on here, but the point is, as long as it's within orthodoxy, right, if the session takes us outside of orthodoxy, we should leave, right? Or get rid of them. But as long, as long as where they fall is, is if, they, if they can explain, well, this is why. These are my biblical concerns that seem very reasonable. Even if it's not exactly where you would be, that, that we go full board together in unity on that. Maybe that's easier said than done. And it's really just an attitude uh, of, of unity, of, of vigor together, that people who know Spring Meadows will see kind of what our passions are. You know, maybe if you move to a new town, 
and you're deciding you've got two great teaching churches, but one is more left and one is more right, and you might decide based on where you're at. You're already a member. You're not leaving. I'm not letting you leave. <laughs> wherever we are and wherever we're going, the threshold is much higher to ever leave a church, in my opinion. Um, so th- th- this is what maybe where it gets a little more personal. Hopefully not offensive, but challenging. Look at the vision statement there. Spring Meadows Presbyterian Church exists to bring the resources of the historic Christian faith to bear on the city so that Christ may be known, loved, served, and worshipped, resulting in a spiritual, social, economic, and cultural difference in the quality of life in Las Vegas. Now let me tell you some of my perceptions that might be wrong. I have very much in this class, at least the bulk of majority, has been on the right side, and maybe even far right side. I will let you know, a lot of my individual talks have not all been there. So maybe you majority are crowding out a minority you need to be aware of. Hopefully people aren't, don't feel scared to, to voice their views. Because, again, we, we have not, we're not dealing with things here that are explicit in our standards of faith, right? In our confession. The, these are things that have been left to a variety. And that's why you have people like Tim Keller over here and, in my perception, Kevin DeYoung over here within the same denomination. Legan Duncan would be over here. I think Sproul would have been over here. Again, in different issues, they might take different cases. Um, I, for instance, I think if I would have pulled, based on the discussion we had, I think this was week three, so it was a long time ago, is social justice, should social justice be part of the mission of the church? I, I don't know. I think if I pulled the room, most people here would say no. And yet people who are for social justice would read our vision statement and say, you're for social justice. Now, the word justice isn't in there. but And again, I, maybe I misunderstand the vision. If you really look at it closely, it doesn't really say we're going to carry this vision out through an individual mandate or through a, a church social mandate. So in one sense, it's kind of left open. Um, or maybe just at a practical level, I mean, we, let's be fair, none of us thought we'd be here for 12 years, right? We just didn't know, we wouldn't have paid storage for 12 years, probably. <laughs> but what are you going to do? You make decisions with what you know, and you go. But, and that, I, I'm, I haven't asked the elders, but I'm sure that has been, in a sense, a distraction for things. And we just want to get somewhere and have a mission, right? And so that should be an exciting thing. We're, we're there, we're on the precipice. So this is our chance to unleash and go. And pray for that strength and that gospel motivation as we go. Um, or maybe, maybe we're not in line with that vision and we should change it. I don't know. I'm just throwing out all the what-ifs. To be honest, I'm, I just want us on the same page. Where are we? What is the vision? What does that mean for you as an individual and your families uh, to your commitment for this church? You know, we expect a commitment from our members. And what, what does that specifically mean? What, what, what do the elders um, expect of us? Maybe that's the wrong word. <laughs> Either way, I, I, just, I just see that this move into a building is a great chance to ask these questions. It's, it's always been a great chance. But obviously this is a momentous, this is a, this is a clear new thing for us, and it's, and it's worth asking. The uh, last thing I'll say before I put it up for, for discussion is one of the concerns over here as you go from a narrow mission to more of an expanded mission is how do you balance that? How do you, how do you keep it? from what, what is too much? When have you expanded beyond and you've lost your, your focus 
of what everyone would agree is a biblical priority, evangelism and discipleship. And I threw in discipline there because discipline in a church just takes, it takes effort and resources. Any leadership. When I was a commander of 230 people, it was the five people that ate up 80% of my time. And that's just a reality. If, if, we, if we expect our, I mean, the extreme is we expect the session to, to go start some new social justice ministry and report to us how it's going. That's ridiculous, right? We, just how the deacons were formed so that the elders could focus on prayer and teaching. That We have got to be very concerned as a church. Even if your heart is way over here, I would like to do this. We would never want to do this at the expense of what we do as a church. So there's some practical questions to ask. Um, in my mind, there are, I guess, theoretically four options, but really just three practical ones. You could go... Spring Meadow should start a new ministry. That would be way over here. Should be ours. Should be something brand new. We should own it. That's a lot of resources, right? <laughs> I would, I would say let's not start there. <laughs> let's not use that as a real option right now. It'd be my personal opinion, but I will submit if the elders want to go there. Um, the far over here would be, however you want to say, it, no social justice. We are a church that. Like MacArthur, I think, would say, MacArthur would never have a church vision like this, in my perception. That's because he's a dispensationalist. It might, it might be. It might be. It might be. I'm, it has a lot to do with it. You don't polish the brass on the Titanic. No, no, that's true. <laughs> the, the, and he has theological reasons for being there. No, that's exactly right. But that's why I'm saying we might disagree with his theology on that, but he will show that I have my position based on the Bible. And that's what I'm calling for. He's not running to some human philosophy to get there. He's... Best, the way he reads scripture, that's how he would get. So we could say no, or even if it's at a practical level, we don't want to do anything else with our ministry because we just don't have the resources of time. And then the two middle options in my mind would be, and it, maybe you'll think of more here and we'll have a discussion. Um, maybe a little more, maybe you go through a, more of a parachurch. So there are ministries obviously that are out there that have a Christian label that are already running. One of the concerns here is, do you expect your leaders, you know, you have all the qualifications for an elder and deacon. Do you expect them to have some grand idea of what socioeconomics are or, you know, some other practical thing? No. So, presumably, if you find a good parachurch organization, you have to weed through them, right? That would be our challenge. What, what, what distinction would we expect of this parachurch? Would they need to be reformed? PCA only. Would you be willing to go with Catholics and Mormons, right? You have to make that call. This is the type of parachute we look for. But now you have, presumably, someone who has, is equipped with certain resources and knowledge of a situation, and lots of churches are joining. Um, and what this would mean here is we wouldn't oversee it, per se, because they already have theirs, but it'd be something we talk about, that we would encourage to joining. We would have them come and report to us, things like that. Um, I'm not saying we should do this. I'm just, these are things that are done out there. And here would be more of a, you know, that we have people in ministries at this church that are already doing things, and we could partner alongside them. Now, in that case, it, it wouldn't be really a church ministry, but I'm sure there would be some level of oversight. If, if we're going to talk about something as a church, it would be more oversight. And there's probably shades and all here. I just want to kind of tee up the discussion. Um, some of the overriding themes in there is, is it contingent upon evangelism? If we say yes, then that will limit what ministries are part of. If we say no, that might color what that is. 
And what will that mean for our session, for us? What, what, is, what does it mean if it's not Spring Meadows? Is that, do we want to kind of join something we're not in control of and overseeing? Those are tough issues. I don't think there's any easy answer here. So to start that, I just wanted to, uh, we were chatting at the Andersons the other night, and I, I didn't know certain things about things that the PCA talk about, and, and even in, in our own church, we've had some, some experience with some of this. So, Terry, you got it. <laughs> All the social justice warriors are flipping out now. (laughs) (laughs) That's not what I meant. (laughs) Um, Another thing, um, during uh, Hurricane Katrina, um, I, uh, in my work, my work with Mary Kay, organized the whole city of Las Vegas. All the Mary Kay consultants donated their outgoing extra product. It all came to my house. You should have seen the living room. But Spring Meadows, as a church, helped... 
Uh, all the women came together. We packed boxes. We sent them into Louisiana, Mississippi, into shelters. So that was not, that was just the physical space happening. We've also done things where we have come alongside people with individual passions. That's kind of the thing when, when God sends someone in your door. Um, uh, Brittany Victor, for a few years while she was in college, organized the church and we served at the rescue mission. Right. Um, faithfully with a schedule, it came from the Pope. It was approved. Somebody had some oversight over her, but um, she just handled it all. Um, we've also had mentors at rehab facilities over the years. We, we currently do. Walks ministry really falls into that where coming along, there's already a person in our family doing something well and just to come alongside of that uh, and so be supportive. Um, a whole other arena is the youth group over the years. So when we had a building, they did monthly free babysitting for uh, date night for families. And <laughs> um, they used to go on mission, uh, mission trips, but one year there wasn't a budget for it, so the youth group uh, got assigned uh, Habitat for Humanity House, and the congregation came alongside them. They were the out of not working people, but we came alongside of them, and we've done a lot of fundraising as a congregation for for things. Things with church or oversight have included Christmas caroling in the neighborhood. The choir kind of did that. Um, we used to have in that other building giant uh, for a couple of years. Reformation Day or Halloween carnivals with booze and activities and um, you know message and some of the some of you kids probably attended that when you were back then. Uh, we ran a preschool on the property under elder supervision. We used to also work with Stella Fleming Towers uh, for years and years, which is now at HUD Housing Low Income. We did something monthly there. And we had a member there. And so that we was had a, a member thing. there. That, so that led us out to, to Ross. And all of those things were actually run by an activities committee. Like the session had a committee, like a mission committee, but there was an activity committee made up of men and women. And then finally, let's see, church oversight. We've done quite a lot under women's ministry. The old Walter Hoving House, when it was on the west side, we made Easter baskets. We worked in their lives. We're still doing some of that periodically. Um, we've always had a, re uh, a women's retreat. We've had to have some sort of a mission project. We, we, we go back and forth between crafts and mission. But, <laughs> um, we've, we've packed homeless bags just so you can hand out the window. We've done boxes to mission, our missionaries around the world. Uh, we've done things for UNLV college girls, uh, working with navigators. We've come alongside Patty's work with cystic fibrosis. Sometimes we'll be officially just church walk, like church t-shirts and all, the whole thing. Churches walking, have a, have a community presence. We've also brought speakers in. I think that was under the pastor, uh, uh, like famous uh, Christian speakers and opened those up to the community. Probably the best uh, thing I think that we've done under oversight is when Dean Hayward was here and um, he had a prison ministry with men. Um, we used to 
Uh, he came to work for a dollar a year because he didn't want a salary. So he paid <laughs> for all his gas, all the book. He had been paying for all that himself uh, for years and years. And a, a number of our members that you know have even come out of that prison ministry. The women baked cookies every Sunday. We brought cookies. We did this for Sue's uh, Bernard's also um, prison ministry with women, the Bible study that she's done. Just bringing cookies every week. Here's cookies for the class, cookies for the class. And so the Sunday school, when the, there was the prison ministry, did homemade Christmas cards, and we sent them up to Bible study in the prison for the people. So those are some things that I... So we've done from here to there, um, all, all across the spectrum. So Well, there's there one more I realized. Thank you. Yes, thank you. <laughs> So again, I'm sure that's just to start you thinking and praying and discussing. That, that's all. I, I, again, if we go a hundred different directions, or we go one full, whatever that is, um, or we decide that it's just too much, I, I, I can find myself happy in those situations. Not that you care about my happiness, but uh, so I just want to. That, that's all I have prepared. So I just want to open that up for any kind of comments. Um, questions through the series? Yeah. Bring the mic I think one of the things that maybe you perceive that we're all, that there's more of a skeptic side. And I think that is because of the concern for what's known as mission creep. Mm -hmm. Because it's not that we don't see that, but, you know, and this is what happened to the PCUSA. I mean, that's, that's why Gresham Machen left. It was the whole mission creep where what originally started was a great idea. And the next thing you know, it's, it's gone into those boundaries that are yeah, the, the, the gospel. They went physical and totally dropped the spiritual. And I think that, yeah. honestly, I mean, that's, that's a fear. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a fear of mission creep. And, uh, you know, I'm glad we've had this class so that we can maybe address our concerns with mission creep and you sure. know, it's just that's just kind of one of my yeah I, concerns is yeah I, I think a lot of people would share that yeah yeah um, when you look at the skeptic and the advocate uh, there's theology behind uh, the skeptic would be more of a two kingdoms person yep who basically sees Christ and culture in paradox it's, it's historically been more of a Lutheran position, and uh, they don't see the responsibility of the church corporate doing social ministry, but rather individuals. And uh, the reason why our vision statement says what it does is because I'm more in the transformationist category, which means I recognize that it isn't just the professional, trained, called people who are to do ministry, we're to equip people who have spiritual gifts to do ministry. And transformation, this comes more out of the Dutch uh, Reformed uh, theology, people like Abraham Kuyper, mm -hmm. Herman Bobbing, others, Do uh, You Beard, and others, who were very conscious of Christ as the transformer of culture. Uh, the problem happens often, and Marcus talked about it, mission-free, is once you get into the social 
justice for advocacy, uh, it's almost as if you need to tighten the controls, especially for oversight and leadership, to be faithful to the theology behind it, or you'll lose it. Yeah. And, and partnering <coughs> with others is also challenged because they don't hold the same right. core convictions we do, and pretty soon you're supporting maybe a ministry who is not believing the same gospel you're believing. Yeah, particularly if evangelism is part of that ministry right. as well, right. that you need to be more concerned, I think. Yeah, amen. It's, I find it interesting, the social justice statement that we went through, what I would be way over on the right, it's, it's signed by dispensationalists and theonomists <laughs> for different reasons. Maybe the dispensationalist doesn't care as much about society, somewhat tongue-in-cheek. The theonomist does, but they want to do it through the law. They don't want the church to do it. They want the law. They want the government to adopt the Mosaic law and institute that. But so it, it's, it's interesting that they come together in that statement for way different theological positions. Did I cut some off? I think that one of the, you could categorize groups as wall builders or bridge builders. And I think theonomists and dispensationalists both might fall somewhat in that wall building category. And I think the people on the other side would be more bridge builders. Yeah. So. Yeah. I saw your hand. Yes. <laughs> you take it back. <laughs> I don't know, the way I see it is um, because we are blessed to have a pastor who has great, um, has oversight over the flock, has oversight over the elders, the deacons, everyone, and has a discernment. Um, the congregation, I think, in that respect will be led in the right direction because the word is guiding him. And as the word guides him, it will guide us out of whatever darkness that we're in. It could be wrong. I, I would just tweak that a little bit. We're purposely a plurality of elders, so it's not one man. They actually have equal authority and oversight of the flock, which is a good thing. But yeah, and, and there is a sense of it's not like the whole church is going to be somewhere on the spectrum and the leadership is going to be somewhere else. That doesn't work either. We're going to be somewhat bound by where the leadership feels we need to be. And that's proper. I, right? I also see this not as an either or, but a both and. Sure. Uh, I, I resist categories. I resist saying you fit this or you fit this. Yeah. Uh, but to say, am I to be concerned about spiritual needs? Absolutely. Am I to be concerned about this? Absolutely. Yeah. Preach the gospel in word and deed. Yeah. And both are equally necessary to incarnate the gospel. And the best apologetic to me for the gospel is people who believe it, live by it, and interact in the culture with it. Um, I think you've done an like, awesome job. I'm really grateful for this series. And something I think maybe we're not talking about is times like or time frame. So some, a lot of these ministries are shorter term. Yeah. And something I think about, the biggest cultural change I think we can make is through our children. And something I think a lot about is at working at a school, I see the influence that, you know, it's there's such a huge, how our culture is going to look in 50 years is going to be our, what we, how we invest in our children. And so 
something we can think about when we think about social justice is how the biggest investment we can make is in our children, I think. That's and a great point. Yeah, so I just think if we're thinking really long-term, we're not thinking about three-year ministries that, you know, I mean, those are wonderful too, but... And you could have both. You, you could have, have both, it, it could be a both sure. and, right? I think Terry's yeah. list. Some of those were one-off events. Yeah. Some were ongoing, and then also equipping parents. Yeah. So they can influence the children as well and teachers. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. Up on the way to Indian Springs, it was the one I'm aware of. Sue was yours in the same place. He'd been doing that for years. He's with the Lord now. We've had members, seminary grads now, who came out of his ministry in prison. That's amazing. Oh, that's right. children. And remember, we looked at some of those three broad categories of what you might call social justice. Whatever. There's, there's the relief side. So probably very much what Walt's involved in. Um, there's development type of side. That would take a lot more resources in a longer term, like, like ESL. Your, your English is a second language. You're, you're trying to get people to a place where they can be more personally responsible and sufficient. And then there's social reform stuff that, you know, the, changing the laws, Advocate? Advocate. <laughs> Advocate. Well, and one thing about having a building is when you have those sorts of, pro, like an ESL, a lot of PCA churches do that program, and it's all designed and developed, and, um, is people are comfortable coming into the building to learn language, and so it translates into them coming to church. So when you're having something at a, same thing with a, any of those things that are not, where you're just open your, it, it is evangelism because they're not afraid to come in the oh, same That's door. a great point. Let me put you on the spot a little bit, Walt. What, what do you think about the church? I mean, would you be scared of someone who's in a pair of church, like a church is going to take over? Would you, is that something you invite? Sometimes. I've been offered that before, and sometimes because... Uh, the teaching and you know how does that lead down the future so yeah uh, kind of uh, grab the ownership of my kind of like government funding that comes with strings right. exactly. yeah exactly. so it could come with church strings yeah. exactly. um, I think this church uh, before I even became a member has been uh, it's blessed the ministry greatly I'm very thankful for it they, how, how they partner along with Next Step Ministries has been excellent really people come out from this church to help support it Guy Williams has been out there. I've Guy Williams in ministry before I knew he was part of this church. Um, the church itself has been really helpful. And I kind of I like our relationship a lot in that respect. 
last comment, and then if you can close us in prayer. Yeah, one of the one of the ministries that some people may not be aware of, we have many members involved in is Hope Christian Health Clinic. Yeah. You know, I mean, we have two members, three members who are on the board. You know, one being your daughter. And recently, I retired from Southwest Gas, and in lieu of them throwing me a big party, I I could choose where to donate all this money to. You know, and I really prayed a lot about it, and and uh, I was surprised because I did some investigating. And you know, maybe we should keep these ministries more in the congregation's eyes. Just just. Number one, just to know that people are out there. Yeah, I, th- I, I think that would be helpful. What about a bulletin board, like in the foyer? Yeah, maybe. Now that we have Yay. a foyer. <laughs> and we don't have to set it up every week. <laughs> Sue can't wait. <laughs> well, and, and, and see, what that does is, is it encourages people when you know that they're serving in this way. You can ask them, how's it going? How can I pray for your ministry? How? Yeah, and I, I always leer you ministries and spiritual gifts not everyone's an initiative taker and to just expect someone to start ministries there's a lot of people that would jump into something already going and we need to provide anyway could you close this prayer father we thank you for uh, keith's time and his uh, interest in exploring uh, this area father we just praise you and thank him for his efforts we pray that you would use this series of lessons to open our minds and to uh, allow us to examine ourselves um, individually. Uh, We might, um, as Keith mentioned, have a sense of unity and direction. Uh, We do pray, Lord, that uh, you would uh, let us just rejoice in knowing that you love us, that that you've given us the gospel, you've allowed us to understand. Lord, let us feel rich that that, uh, you've done that for us and that we might have the desire to share that with others, both our words and our deeds. Bless us now as we go to worship. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.